This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Now, let's start out tonight by revisiting the year 1944. On June 6th of 1944, the D-Day invasion, Operation Overlord. It starts with Allied forces crossing the English Channel to land in Normandy, which signaled the end of the war in Europe. Meanwhile, London had the first attacks from V-2 rockets, which caused further devastation to an already badly bombed city. Glenn Miller is reported missing following a plane crash, and people throughout the U.S. and U.K. are encouraged to grow any vegetables they can in gardens to help ease the food shortage. And famous people born on that day, or at least that year, Danny DeVito, Diana Ross, Joe Frazier, Tony Orlando, and Jerry Springer. The year 1944 was a good year for radio, especially if you liked scary programs, and one of the most popular mystery dramas of its time was The Whistler. Following the opening words that you'll hear shortly, followed by the echo of footsteps and Wilbur Hatch's 13-note theme, whistled weekly by Dorothy Roberts for 13 years. Bill Foreman had the title role of host and narrator. Others who portrayed the whistler at various times, Gail Gordon, Lucille Ball's future television nemesis, Marvin Miller, later television's Michael Anthony on The Millionaire, and the episode we hear tonight is called Practically Foolproof. The Whistler, another signal mystery. I am the Whistler. And I know many things. For I walk by night. I know many strange tales, many secrets hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. Tonight, the Signal Oil Company, marketers of Signal's famous Go Farther gasoline and motor oil, bring you another in a series of strange tales by The Whistler. The story of a strange and desperate crime. A crime so carefully planned it was practically foolproof. And now, The Whistler. Edward Bowman and Marco Lorenz are the proprietors of a popular little lending library in a quiet residential section of town. They cater to a highly respectable clientele, a clientele who might be surprised to overhear their breakfast table conversation this morning as they sit in the back of their shop, 
huddled over a crudely drawn diagram. The smoke from their cigarettes curls upward to hang like a cloud in the stream of morning sunlight. Suddenly, Marco, with a gesture of disgust, pushes the diagram aside. Ah, the whole thing is impossible, Eddie. They got the place locked up tighter than a drum. I told you it was the guy who never gave up. Mm. Here's a hundred grand in negotiable bonds, and you want to kiss it goodbye. Listen, Marco, look at this diagram. Yeah. Now, look, here's the vault where they keep the bonds. Now, it's five yards from there to the door. Here is where we can cut the wires and the alarm system. See? Mm. Once we get inside, the job's a pushover. Sure, it's a pushover, if we can get inside. It ought to be. We spent three months casing the joint. But how do we get in? You couldn't blast through that door, and as for the windows, and I suppose you're going to shrink yourself down and crawl between the bars. Well, what's wrong with using a hacksaw? I already told you, it takes too long. It's too risky. They've only got two bars in each window. If we could get one bar out, I might be able to squeeze through. <laughs> what we need is a nine-year-old kid, a small nine-year-old. Yeah, one with a criminal record preferred. Hey. Are you still planning to fence the stuff with Jake? Yeah, right after we pull the job. I'm not taking any chances. Jake will give us 50 grand for the bonds. And then we're sitting pretty. No hot money, no stolen goods. Yes, uh, we'll be sitting pretty. If we could only dream up a way to crack that office. Don't tell me we got a customer this here. I'll go. Oh, good morning, Mrs. Miles. Good morning, Mr. Bowman. I brought someone in to meet you. This is Mr. Johnson. Well, I... Oh. Uh, how do you do? Put it there, Bowman. And the name is Shorty. Shorty Johnson. Known to millions as a small change kid with a million-dollar personality. Well, uh, j- just call me Eddie. <laughs> Mr. John... Oh, uh, Shorty is my new tenant. Your new tenant? Yes, he just came in from the east. He plans to go to work in the aircraft industry. Fuses, you know. Uh, fuselage, ma'am. Fuselage. Yes, sir, Eddie. I walked out on a great theatrical career to come out to the West Coast and serve my country. A great career. You're, uh, you're an actor? Acrobat, my boy, acrobat. Played the palace for eight weeks. Tumbling Tom Thumb, the world's mightiest might. That's how they built me. But from now on, I'm taking my cues from Uncle Sam. Yes, sirree. But now then, what have you got in the way of a rootin', tootin', hair-raisin' yarn? Well, I've got <laughs> That a... was the first thing Shorty asked about when he moved in, Mr. Bowman. Where he could get books. I think you're going to have a very steady customer on your hands. That's right, Eddie. I'm a sucker for exciting literature. Mysteries, westerns, spicy stories, anything. Yeah. Well, we got a new mystery called Another Man's Poison. It's a bestseller. Nah, nah, I'm tired of poison. Haven't you got something with a lot of gunplay in it? You know, an old-fashioned gangster story with lots of shooting? <laughs> yeah, well, let's see now. Uh, I, hey, I what's think... keeping you, Eddie? Oh, sorry, Mrs. Miles, I didn't see you. Oh. Hello, Mr. Lorenz. Uh, Marco, this is Mr. Johnson, Shorty Johnson. Huh? What are you staring at, brother? Haven't you ever seen a midget before? Oh, sure. Uh, I mean, how are you? Shorty just came in from the east. Uh, he's renting a room over at Mrs. Miles. Oh, I see. Yes, Shorty's quite a bookworm. That's why I brought him over this morning. I told him you boys had the best rental library in town. Well, I hope he's as good a customer as you are, Mrs. Miles. Well, I guess we might as well push off, ma'am. Uh, nice meeting you, boys. I'll see you around. Yeah, yeah, you bet. Sure. Goodbye, Mr. Bowman. Mr. Lorraine. Goodbye. Goodbye. Now I've seen everything. The richest dame in town takes in a rumor. Well, why not? She's got plenty of room to spare. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Friendly little guy, wasn't he? Oh, Shorty? Yeah, kind of a character. Uh, how big would you say he is? Huh? Oh, uh, about four feet tall. 
75 pounds. Why? Mm, just the right size. Sure. Just right. What are you talking about? Oh, nothing. Just an idea I had. Now, what could Marco be thinking? Could it be how very fortunate it is? Just when they need a very small man to complete their plans, a midget walks in? But what kind of man is Shorty the midget? The kind who would listen to a uh, business proposition? It certainly wouldn't seem so, as Shorty, just a few blocks away, spends a quiet evening at the home of his wealthy benefactor, Mrs. Miles. Now, Shorty. Temptations of a gun mall. Uh, the boys just got it in today. <laughs> I suppose this one is a regular humdinger? A tipperoo, to say the least, ma'am. You'll have to read this one, Mrs. M. Make your blood pressure zoom right up to 300. Yes, sir, just what the doctor ordered. Shorty, what would my friends think if they caught me reading Temptations of a Gun Mall? Only trying to improve your education, ma'am. I used to teach school, you know. My, you've certainly had a checkered career, haven't you? Checkered is the word for it, ma'am. But no more. From now on, it's a time clock and a pair of overalls. Oh, uh, then you've heard from the plant? Yep. I'll start to work any day now. A simple, honest toiler. That's my new role in life. Well, that's fine. I guess it's about time I started paying you back for everything I owe you. Now, Shorty, we agreed not to talk about that. Why, goodness sake, you've been such a help to me. I don't know how I'll get along when you go to work. On the contrary, Mrs. M., on the contrary. Having you fuss and worry over me makes me feel like... Well, like there's someone taking an interest. You know what I mean? After ten years of traveling around from one circuit to another, living out of trunks, feels pretty good to talk over your problems with someone besides agents and producers. Oh, you poor boy. It must have been terribly hard for you all those years. It wasn't easy, ma'am. Especially for a fellow like me. Hey, listen here, young lady. Don't you know what time it is? Half past eleven. Come on now, come on. Off to bed with you. Oh, not yet. Oh, yes. Come on now. Oh, no, but I'm not sleepy. Now, none of your back talk, miss. Hurry up now. Scat. Oh, all right, you tyrant. Oh, I guess I'll take that book if you're through with it. Are you going to pass up Shakespeare tonight? Well, uh, I think I ought to branch out a little. One can get in a rut with Shakespeare, you know. One certainly can. Well, good night, ma'am. Good night, Shorty. Oh, well, wait a minute. Yeah? Aren't you forgetting something? The uh, picture on the wall? The picture? Oh, uh, the safe. I don't think that's really necessary, Shorty. No, yes, it is. You want to wake up some morning with your throat cut? Besides, you'll have to poke your eye out in your sleep with <laughs> one of those rings. Oh, all right. But it seems so silly. I've never used that safe for anything but old love letters. Well, from now on, you're keeping your jewels there. You certainly need a man to look after you. I guess I have one. Well, you store your little trinkets away. All right. I'm going to curl up on the sofa with sagebrush destiny. <laughs> All right. Now, my rings. Bracelet, brooch, I guess that's all. 
Oh, my pearls. I almost forgot. There. Well, that's done. I hope you're satisfied. Good night, Shorty. Shorty. Why, for goodness sake, he's sound asleep. Yes, the little man is sound asleep. The tight, sharp little face is relaxed now, and the lamplight reveals a network of fine lines around the eyes, a tired droop in the lips. The old lady smiles down at the small, strange figure on the couch, then she turns off the light and quietly leaves the room. But a few blocks away, in the back room of the rental library, there is no sleep, no rest. Eddie Bowman and Marco Lorenz sit facing each other across the kitchen table. Their eyes narrowed, their voices raised in an excited argument. You're crazy. You're crazy, Marco. You're off your nut. We can't get away with a thing like that. What do you mean we can't? I got it all worked out. Shorty's room is in the back of the house, and he's got a separate entrance. And the old lady sleeps upstairs in the front of the house. That's right. Drive over there tomorrow night, about midnight, when the old lady's sure to be in bed. Oh. She won't hear a thing. We get Shorty first. He'll come easy. Yeah. The thing is a cinch the way I got it planned. Okay. Now, look. We give Shorty the combination to the vault. Uh-huh. Then we push him through the window, and he cracks the vault. Yeah. Won't take more than two minutes. We get the bonds and take them right over to Jake. Uh-huh. Fifty grand in cold cash, and the rest is smooth sailing. Yeah. And what about Shorty? Yeah, he won't be any trouble. We got a nice barrel of cement for him. Only for him, it... Won't even take a barrel. Hey, no, Marco. Let's not get mixed up in anything like that. No one can pin a thing on us. We got a perfect alibi. A perfect alibi for the robbery, yeah. But what about the the other? Okay, what happens when Shorty's missing? Old Lady Miles calls the police. Meanwhile, the police are trying to figure out how the bond firm was robbed. Well, they find out the midget's missing. Naturally, they put two and two together. And they find out he was a steady customer here, so they come around here and start pumping us. (laughs) Shit. They're not going to be looking for a body. They're going to be looking for an escaped thief. We don't know a thing about it. The setup is beautiful. Absolutely foolproof. You are listening to The Whistler, another signal mystery brought to you by your friend, the Signal Oil Company, marketers of Signal's famous go-farther gasoline and motor oil. Marco and Eddie, partners in the business of lending books and borrowing other things, have decided to add a third and unwilling partner, but only for a very short time. Tonight is the night, and they've driven out to the home of Mrs. Miles to pick up their intended victim, Shorty the Midget, at his uh, private entrance in the rear of the house. Shorty. Hey, Shorty. What is this light on? Shorty. Yeah, we just dropped over for a little visit. Well, it's awfully late. I, I was just getting ready for bed. Well, we just stay for a minute. No, I, I, I really... Hey, 
What goes on? What are you packing for? Well, boys, <laughs> I guess you got me cornered. I couldn't pass my physical over at the plant. I'm, I'm leaving tomorrow morning. Leave what? Yep. I wired my agent. He's got a great part for me in a New York show. So you're walking out, huh? Going back to the big deal. Oh, gee, fellas. I don't want you to think I'm a heel, but what else could I do? Get away from that suitcase. Look, please be careful. I've got everything all neatly packed. I thought you were trying to hide something, you little rat. Trying to get away with one of our books, huh? Hey, what do you know? Sagebrush Destiny. A brand new one, too. Oh, please, Marco. I didn't mean anything bad. I just didn't have time to finish it. I was planning to send it back honest. Where's the other one? Temptations of a gun mob. This is Miles is reading it. Oh, don't be sore, Marco. Here, take the book. Put that book back in the suitcase. Well, I thought... You heard what he said. Well, say, what's the idea? Eddie, what... We mean business, short stuff. Now, come on, snap into it. Sure. Now, close the suitcase. Okay, okay. Say, what's all this about, fellas? I don't like practical Shut up. Okay, Eddie. Eddie, what are you... You take him to the car. I'll bring the suitcase. All set. Move over, shorty. Yeah, things are working out better than we planned. Yeah, you're leaving town at a very convenient time, Shorty. Very convenient. What's all this about, fellas? I haven't done anything wrong. I don't like this, Marco. What's Eddie doing with a gun? Never mind about the gun. Just keep your mouth shut and your eyes open and you'll be all right. I don't like this, Marco. Let me out, please. I said keep your mouth shut. Where are we going? Might as well tell him now, Marco. Yeah. Ever hear the J.M. Donahue firm? Stocks and bonds? Yeah. That's where we're going right now. But what for? For 100 grand and negotiable bonds. You're crazy, Marco. You can't get away with a thing like that. Oh, yes, we can. With your help, short guy. What are you talking about? The only way to get into the place is through a window. And that's where you come in. No, no, I won't do it. You can't make... You do it all right, my friend. You want to keep healthy. Shorty. Either way, it's not going to be so healthy for him, is it? But he doesn't know that as the car pulls up to the curb at the rear of a small building, and the three of them alight. The preliminaries are over quickly. A snip of the pliers and the emergency alarm system is cut. Eddie goes to work on the window. A few twists of Eddie's jimmy and... There. As easy as slicing a cake. Okay. Here, Shorty. Combination of savers on this paper. Can you read it? Yeah, I... I guess so. Okay, now when you get inside, the vault's just a few feet to your right. Go straight there. Open it and get the stack of bonds. And bring them straight back here, understand? Yeah. Yeah, I understand, Marco. And listen, you little runt. No funny business. We can see every move you make. We ain't got these rods for looks, see? I know. Okay, it. come on, Shorty. I'll give you a boost. Give me a hand. Okay. All right, grab hold. That's right. And a boy. You can squeeze through the bar sideways. That's it. In you go now. Okay. All right, get going. And don't waste any time. You think he can crack it, Marco? You better. It's a simple combination. If he has any trouble, we'll know he's stolen. Hey, he's turning the dial now. Yeah? Hey, that's right. Four to the left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now right. Two. Then, yeah. Then back. Okay, that should be it. Pull it open. He did it. Yeah. 
He's getting the bounce now. I told you it'd be a pushover. Did you fix it with Jake to take the stuff tonight? Yeah, I told him we'd be there at 2.30. It's 20 after now. Good. Okay, Shorty, don't bother to close the vault. Just bring the stuff over to the window. Okay. Here it is, you guys. Look at that lettuce. 100,000 smackers right in my hand. Not bad, huh, pal? Hey, listen, Marco. Give me a hand. I can't get out of here by myself. Hurry up. I gotta catch a train. Yeah. Maybe you're gonna catch a train. Okay, here. Get my hand. Wait a minute. I heard you. What did you mean? What are you talking about? What you just said. Don't waste time. Take my hand. No. What did you mean? Maybe I'd catch a train. He didn't mean nothing, Shorty. No, I was just kidding, Shorty. Come on, take my hand. No. I thought you wanted to get out of there. No, I see it now. You're going to kill me, so I can't squeal on you. No, I see it. No, listen, Shorty, no. We'll even cut you in on the take, honest. We I mean, just come on down. Get out of there. No, no, now I see it. I'm going to stay here. Stay here and wait for the cops. Marco, he's running back. He's going to hurt you. What's the matter? I got him. He won't blab to the cops You're now. crazy fool. We had a perfect alibi and you had the butcher. Yeah, but Marco, I... Never mind. There's no time to talk now. Let's get out of here. But Marco, they, they can't pin anything on us they now. They can't pin anything on the midget, you mean? They'll find his body in there. And then they're going to stop looking for the guys who stole the bonds. Only now, it won't be just a grand larceny rap. It'll be murder. I'm... I'm sorry, Marco. I, I must have lost my head. I, I told if he got into that vault and hit... They could have gotten him out some way, given him our guns, given him half the take, something. But now... Well, what, what are we going to do? I don't know. But they got to get another alibi, quick. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, how about this? Suppose... Suppose we just walked into the police station, see? And, and told them we heard gunshots near there, see? That ought to throw them off our trail. Yeah. Yeah, it might work. It's dangerous, but we gotta do something. I guess we better take a chance. I mean, come on, we gotta get this stuff over to Jake's first and get rid of it. Pretty risky, isn't it, Marco? A hundred thousand in bonds missing, and a body lying at the door of the open vault. And you're going to walk into the police station and tell them about it. Well, it may work. Anyway, you feel better about it now that Jake has the bonds and, and you have the cash safely put away. And the desk sergeant doesn't seem too interested when you walk in and start to tell him about it. Where'd you say you heard these shots? In the vicinity of 4th and Powell Street. How long ago? About 15 minutes, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what took you so long? That's not that far from here. Well, you see, at first we thought they might be backfires from a car. So we drove on our ways, and we talked it over and decided to come back and report it. Okay. Hogan, take down their names and addresses. Okay, bud. You first. Huh? Come on. Come on. Marco Lorenz. Marco Lorenz. Address? Uh, Bowman Lorenz Library, Ridgely Street. Mm-hmm. Ridgely Street. Okay. Your name? Edward Bowman. Mm-hmm. Address? Same as his. Oh, business together? Yeah. Is, uh, is that all? I guess so. Uh, just a minute, boys. You say you run the Bowman Lorenz Library? Books? Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. What were you fellas doing driving down near 4th and Powell Street this late at night? Well, you see... Well, we... you see, we were going on a vacation. We wanted to get an early start. You know, Mr. Traffic. Yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah, we, we even got our suitcases out in the car. Oh. You even got your suitcase in the car, huh? Hogan, 
Maybe you'd better run out and take a look at the car. Yeah, and you'd better bring in the suitcase. Okay. Hey, what's the idea? Dangerous to leave valuables in a parked car on the street at night. You wouldn't want it stolen, now, would you? Yeah, but we, we, we were just leaving. Yeah? Well, if you don't mind, I'd like for you to stick around for a few minutes. You see, I'm very much interested in books. Books? Yeah. This one, for instance. Called Temptations of a Gun Mouth. Ever see this one before? Why, I, I don't know. That's funny. Because it has your stamp on it, see? The Bowman Lorenz Library. Yeah, well, where'd you get that book? Oh, I picked it up a few minutes ago. Oh, good, Hogan. You got the suitcase. Yes, sir. Well, gentlemen, I've been thinking about taking a vacation myself, and I'd like to see what to take along. You won't mind if I just take a look at what you're carrying, will you? You can't do that. You can't search a person's possessions without a charge again. And who knows? Maybe I've got a charge. What? Maybe the charge is suspicion of robbery, shall we say? Okay, Hogan, open up. Robbery? That's ridiculous. Is it? How'd you find, Hogan? Nothing much, Sarge. Kids closed. Hey, wait a minute. There's something down here at the bottom. Hey, Sarge, take a look. Yes. Yes, that's what I was looking for. What'd you find? As if you didn't know. Jewels. I suppose you didn't think they'd be missed this soon. But we got an emergency call to go out to Mrs. Miles' house about an hour ago. Shorty. Listen, you can't pin a jewel robbery on us. That old dame can't do that to us. We know who did it. No matter what she told you. She didn't tell us anything. When we got there, she was sitting on a sofa with this book in her hand. So what? But she wasn't reading. She couldn't. You see, she had a little round bullet hole right between the eyes. No. No. Lock him up, Hogan. On suspicion of murder. That was quite a mix-up, wasn't it? For a crime that was supposed to be foolproof. What Eddie and Marco didn't know was that Shorty pumped a bullet into Mrs. Miles and was getting away with her jewels when they kidnapped him to help them rob the security office. Yes, Shorty killed Mrs. Miles. Eddie and Marco shot Shorty. And now they'll die for the murder Shorty committed. It all came out even, didn't it? Well, no, not quite. Because, you see, in the hospital ward, the doctor bends over a still, small figure. He shakes his head. Shorty Johnson will live. The shots Eddie fired didn't kill him. So Eddie and Marco will burn for a crime they didn't commit. And Shorty will go free for it. Yes, free. But he won't get off without paying. Oh, no. Because as a result of the gun wounds, the mightiest might of them all, the tumbling Tom Thumb, who lived by his agility and skill, will lie helplessly in his bed all the rest of his life, a hopeless paralytic. The 
Whistler is broadcast for your entertainment by the Signal Oil Company, marketers of Signal's famous Go Farther gasoline and motor oil, and your neighborhood signal dealer. At your service to keep your car running for the duration. The Whistler was produced and directed by George W. Allen. The story was by Harriet Reig. Music composed and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. This program is being transmitted to our troops overseas by the Armed Forces Radio Service. Next Sunday night at 7.30, the Whistler will bring you another Signal Mystery. Bill Pennell speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for Our Miss Brooks next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Time now for Eve Arden in Our Miss Brooks. CBS presents Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. Our Miss Brooks is a school teacher. To be specific, she teaches English at Madison High. Connie Brooks is pretty enthusiastic about her work, too. In fact, in her own words. Although teaching isn't the most profitable career in the world, you must admit the hours are appalling. But there's always my secret heartthrob, Mr. Boynton. He's the biology teacher at school. And a sweeter, more intelligent scientist never brushed off an English teacher to play footsie with a frog. But he'll come around. Even a biology teacher must sooner or later get a little biological. Meanwhile, I can dream, can't I? Yes, Connie Brooks can dream. Even now, she's in the middle of the sweetest dream of them all. The one that comes right before 7 a.m. Hold me closer, Mr. Boynton. There. Now kiss me. Oh, how does that make you feel? That's what it does to me, too. I'll shut it off. Miss Brooks, you'll be late. Kiss me again, Mr. Boynton. Miss Brooks, you have to go to school. For this, I don't have to go to school. Oh. Oh. Good morning. Well, if it isn't my favorite landlady. Oh, good morning, Mrs. Davis. What in the world were you dreaming about? Oh, nothing much. Just the school. I was giving an English lesson. Well, from the way your lips were puckered, I thought you were taking a bugle lesson. <laughs> Better get up, dear. Today's the day you're supposed to find out about that new job as head of the English department from your new principal. Oh, that's right, Mrs. Davis. For three years I've been waiting for that job. Three years of scrimping and scraping to get along. Now it's all going to be different. With this raise, I'll be able to run down to Miami once in a while and... After I've had the job a while, I might even go abroad. Paris, the Riviera, Biarritz in the spring, the casino at Monte Carlo. Just how much more money does this new job pay, Miss Brooks? Six dollars a month. <laughs> you better watch your step at Monte Carlo. Money goes pretty fast down there. Money goes fast anywhere. I haven't been able to catch any for years. 
Now hurry and get dressed, dear. I have a lovely surprise for your breakfast. Another one of your surprise recipes, Mrs. Davis? I hope it's not clam fritters again. You'll see, dear. Come along. Here you are, dear. Here's your surprise. Armenian pancakes. They've been setting for five days. What else could they do? I mean in goat's milk. It takes five days for it to get good and sour. Sour goat's milk? Here, try a bite off this fork. Don't pay any attention to the smell. Oh, please, Mrs. Davis, no. Well, just one bite. Tell the truth now. Aren't they delicious? I don't want to hurt your feelings, Mrs. Davis. But if I were the goat responsible for this concoction, I would hang myself by my own beard. <laughs> if you don't mind, I'll have to pass up the pancakes. But, Miss Brooks, it's a crime to throw out these pancakes. What's the crime? Carrying concealed weapons? <laughs> You've got to have some breakfast. Could I squeeze you a persimmon or two? <laughs> no, thanks. I'll grab a kumquat on my way to work. <laughs> Hey, it's funny Walter Denton isn't here yet. He knows I wanted to get to school a little early this morning and meet the new principal. Rather convenient to have one of your pupils drive you around. Yes, my Chevy's still in the shop. I had a little accident Saturday. I ran into a parked car. Oh, that's too bad. I hope you reported it to the police. I didn't have to. They were sitting in the car. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's good. I'll get it. Oh, Miss Brooks. Come in, Walter. Well, Walter Denton, how you've shot up since I saw you last. You saw me yesterday, Mrs. Uh, Davis. My, how time flies. <laughs> Come on, Walter. I've got to get down early. The new principal takes over today. What's his name, dear? Uh, Mr. Conklin. Osgood Conklin. Osgood Conklin? Why, I've known him for years. We went to school together. Really, Mrs. Davis? What kind of a man is he, anyway? Well, the other children used to call him Stoneface because he never laughed. Oh, fine. Well, I shouldn't say never. I did hand him a laugh one time when we were out ice skating. He was practically in hysterics. What happened? I broke my leg. <laughs> he sounds about as friendly as a subpoena. <laughs> correct any nonsense of this new school, Martha, or my name isn't Osgood Conklin. I've heard all about their lack of principle and discipline, and I won't have it. Do you hear? No one is going to interfere with my making Madison High a well-run school. No one. If anyone gets in my way, I'll crush them. Step on them like so many ants. Squash them. That's nice. Pass the marmalade, dear. And help yourself to some more toast. I hate toast. As I was saying, Martha, I'm sure that the faculty at Madison High is totally incompetent. Oh, please, Osgood, you mustn't let it irk you. Irk? Irk? Drink a little water, dear. It'll go away. (laughs) No understanding. No cooperation. Nobody knows what a difficult job I'm faced with. It's awful. Awful. Please, Osgood, can't you talk without barking? Honestly, sometimes I think Prince is the only one who can really understand you. Prince? Don't mention that lazy mutt to me. Look at him over there. Dead to the world. Well, it's getting late. Now, where's my hat? 
Confound it, where's my hat? Please, dear, don't bark. I'm not barking, Martha. Once and for all, I don't bark. <laughs> See? He does understand you. Now, be sure to drive carefully on your way to school. Oh, don't tell me how to drive the car. I'm not, dear. It's just that after all the work you put in, polishing it on Sunday, I'd hate to see... Stop you. worrying. I did the work, didn't I? Ah, look at her out there. Nothing takes a wax polish like a black touring car. Well, Osgood, you'd better get started. You don't want to set a bad example for your new teacher. I'll show them a thing or two. I'll show them... Oh, shut up, Prince. Goodbye, Martha. Before we get to school, Miss Brooks, there's something I'd like to talk to you about. It's a girl. Naturally. Who is it this time, Walter? Well, she's the baker's daughter, Penelope Miller. When I kissed her for the first time the other night, I knew she was different. But, Walter, you've kissed a lot of girls. What's so different about Penelope Miller? She tastes like caraway seeds. <laughs> oh, grand. She's probably built like a pumpernickel. Now, look, Walter, I've got a lot on my mind today. What with trying to make a good impression on the new principal. Well, all I want you to do is help me write her a letter, Miss Brooks. You see, she doesn't think that I'm mental enough. I can't understand it. And I figured, well, you being an English teacher as well as a woman, well, you'd know how to make her think I was brainy. You know, intelligent. I hate to trade on just my sheer animal magnetism. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, you are a little beastly in spots, Walter. <laughs> Don't blame yourself. Penelope just doesn't appreciate yet that a man is a thing to be treasured. When will she appreciate it? When she gets to be my age. Oh, I couldn't wait that long, Miss Brooks. What? Oh, I'm sorry, Miss Brooks. I guess I'm not very mental at that, but you will help me out, won't you? I'll come over to Mrs. Davis's tonight, and we'll write a letter together. What do you say? Well, I don't know, Walter. Walter, look out! That car! What car? That big black touring car! Big black touring car? <laughs> it's not quite as big as it was. <laughs> You young idiot! Why don't you watch where you... My fenders, my shining fenders lying in the gutter. Walter, put the man's fenders back on. Oh, gee, mister, I didn't you mean You didn't to... mean? Why didn't you look where you were going? Well, gosh, it takes two to make an accident. A brilliant observation. But it just happens that I was only going 15 miles an hour. You should have been going 30. We'd have missed you by a block. <laughs> now, see here, you red-haired joyrider. It was probably your fault. My fault? Why don't you learn how to drive that hopped-up hearse of yours? Hopped-up hearse? Now, listen here, young woman. I've tried to control my temper. But if you want to play rough, I can get plenty rough. Walter, I've got to run along. I'll leave you to straighten out barking boy. Barking boy? That's the second time today I've been accused of barking. Young woman, I'll have you know I do not bark. Who's your friend? Go home, Prince! Well, classes haven't started yet. Let me see. Pick up my mail first, and then... Oh, hello, Mr. Boynton. Hello, Miss Brooks. 
Isn't it a coincidence that we're in the same mailbox? Not an overwhelming coincidence. You see, your last name begins with the same letter mine does. Well, that's a start. <laughs> you have such a quick mind, Mr. Boynton. Well, it is thorough. Personally, I think you tax it too much. Don't you think you need more recreation, if you know what I mean? Well, carrying on my biology experiments is recreation enough. You don't know what I mean. Of course, I also collect stamps. Oh, that sounds exciting. There's no end to the possibilities. Have you ever tried your hand at beadwork? No, I don't believe I have. Is it fun? Fun? Why, it makes you just tingle all over. (laughs) We must string a few together sometime. Mm -hmm. And basket weaving can be thrilling, too. Really? Yes, if we're both in the same basket. (laughs) Well... So much for the world of sports. <laughs> uh, Miss Brooks, if you don't mind my changing the subject, are you going to be busy tonight? Busy? Me? Mr. Boynton, I couldn't be unbusier. Well, I'd, I'd like to come over after dinner, that is, if we can be alone. Alone? We'll be absolutely isolated. <laughs> I hope you don't think I'm too forward, Mr. Boynton, but I've anticipated this moment for quite a while. Remember the day about five years ago when I first came to Madison High, rounded a turn in the corridor and bumped smack into you? Oh, yes. I was teaching chemistry then. You put quite a dent in my Bunsen burner. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, that was the day I first suspected that we'd be more to each other than just fellow faculty members. And when were your suspicions confirmed, Miss Brooks? On our very next date, when you took me to lunch, two years later. (laughs) Gad, you were a fast worker. I don't blame you for kidding me, Miss Brooks. I guess I'm not much of a whirlwind romantically. Then most scientific people aren't. You see, the study of evolution alone tends to slow down any of the mere intemperate reflexes. Mm-hmm. You must realize that a tremendous period of time was involved before the single cell divided itself in the sea and adapted itself to the land and the air. Mm-hmm. Countless centuries passed before lower forms of life assumed their new shapes, and generations before the mammal family produced the ape family and before the ape family produced the human family. What have you been waiting for me to do? Slip back a notch? <laughs> Well, uh, what time do you think you'll be able to come over tonight, Mr. Boynton? Ah, Mr. Boynton, Miss Brooks, let us not tarry. Your new principal, Mr. Conklin, is due at any moment. We'll be sorry to see you go, Mr. Darwell. Yes, you've been a wonderful principal, Mr. Darwell. Why did the Board of Education decide to have you transferred? Ours not to reason why. Ours but to teach and die. (laughs) As the great Socrates so aptly phrased it, if you've got to go, you've got to go. Of course, I am genuinely sorry to leave old Madison High, but then we're teachers, and teachers can't afford sentiment. We can't afford anything. As the great Professor Einstein so aptly phrased it, murder, ain't it? You know, I still hope I can land that job as head of the English department, though. Well, that will depend upon the impression you make on Mr. Conklin. I'm taking him on a tour of inspection as soon as he arrives, Miss Brooks. Your class will be the first one visited. Oh, the first class visited? Oh, gosh, Mr. Boynton, if I'm to impress Conklin, I'll have to hurry and get things in order i better go in and erase the children and see that the blackboards aren't throwing spitballs. Poor Miss Brooks, you're a bundle of nerves. You, you look sort of faint. Here, I'll put my arms around you until you steady yourself. Oh, no, you won't, Mr. Boynton. Just because you happen to catch me at a weak moment, I'm not letting you put your arms around me. My father told me about men like you. Then why are you putting your arms around me? My mother told me about men like you, too. <laughs> All right. 
right now, class. Please let me have your attention. Uh, as many of you know, our, our new principal, Mr. Osgood Conklin, takes over his duties today. So, if he should drop in here at any time, there's no reason for any of us to be nervous, self-conscious, or head of the English department. I mean, uh, I mean, we'll just go on in our normal manner. Now, to take up where we left off yesterday... Uh, pardon me, Miss Brooks, but Mr. Conklin and I just happened to be passing by... And oh, why, come right in, Mr. Darwell. Uh, this way, Mr. Conklin. Thank you. Mr. Conklin, this is our Miss Brooks. How do you do, Miss Brooks? Glad to make your... Quaid a minute. Oh, thanks, Mr. Conklin. Glad to make your acquaint a minute, too. <laughs> oh? You two have met? We sort of ran into each other this morning. Ah, well, this is the young lady in the accident I told you about. I... Oh, oh, well, uh, Mr. Conklin, I have an idea. Why don't we skip English and drop in on the... Now that I know just who Miss Brooks is, I'm particularly interested in watching her conduct her class. Go right on, Miss Brooks. Well... All right, Mr. Conklin. Uh, now, class, I'm going to read some lines to you, which I'd like you to... I mean, that I'd like you to... Uh, well, I want you to tell me whom... No, who. Uh, I'd, uh, I'd like the name of the author of the following stuff. <laughs> Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I come to bury Conklin, not to praise him. <laughs> Uh, that is to bury Caesar. Hand, please. No hands. You've all got them, you know. <laughs> Just look at the ends of your sleeves. <laughs> oh, there's a hand. Winona. I can always depend on Winona. Who wrote those lines, Winona? I don't know. I just want to leave the room. <laughs> Never mind the blindfold, Captain. Just give me a cigarette. <laughs> oh, uh, come in, Miss Brooks. How is everything? Well, frankly, Mr. Boynton, I'm a little tired. I just lost two out of three falls to Mr. Conklin. Oh, you've met the new principal, eh? What's he like? He looks like he was weaned on a vinegar popsicle. <laughs> Mr. Boynton, I just dropped by to see what time you're coming over tonight. Tonight? Yes, one of my students is stopping by for a few minutes. I've I promised to write an intellectual letter for him to a girlfriend he's trying to impress, Penelope Miller. Penelope Miller? Yes, she tastes like caraway seeds. <laughs> if you could just let me know what time you're coming over... Well, uh, I'm not sure about tonight at all right now. I'm quite worried about Violet. Violet? Yes, the, the white mouse I use in some of my experiments. Steady, Violet, dear. Steady, dear. I, I'm just going to hold you for a minute. Mr. Boynton, if you You know, just... I, I don't like the feel of her stomach. Mr. Boynton... It's lumpy. I... Well, Mr. Boynton, you told me this morning... Well, frankly, that... Miss Brooks, at that time, I didn't know about Violet's condition. You, you understand, I have to... I know, you have to sit up with a lumpy mouse. <laughs> well, she's terribly peaked lately. I don't know what it is. I think I better have a look at her cage. Hold her a minute, will you? Here. <laughs> Miss Brooks, you dropped Violet. She attacked me. Miss Brooks. Miss <laughs> Brooks, get down off the desk. I can't. Oh, I see her. She's under that. She's under well, the table. Get her. I'll get her if you just stop that screaming. And, and let go of your skirts. <laughs> and this, Mr. Compton, is our biology laboratory. 
Why, Miss Brooks, what are you doing on that desk? And where is Mr. Boynton? He's under the table with Violet. <laughs> with Violet? So that's what goes on in the biology laboratory of Madison High. Oh, but Mr. Conklin, I'm sure... So Mr. am I very come... sure. Come, Mr. Darwell. I'll be back when Violet is out from under the table. Oh, no. Oh, I've got her, Miss Brooks. Poor thing was scared to death. Here. And look at her. Isn't she sweet? Isn't Violet a beauty? She's ravishing. And may I tell you something else, Mr. Boynton? What's that? You make a lovely couple. Hello, Principal's Office. Osgood Conklin speaking. Who's calling, please? Mrs. Davis. Margaret Davis? Oh, yes, the girl I used to go ice skating with. Ha, ha, ha. How's your leg? What's that? You want me to come over to dinner? Well, I'm afraid I... You uh, say there's a teacher living with you that you want me to meet. A Miss Brooks. Well, I'd like... Miss Brooks! Now, look here, Margaret. I've already met that redhead. Mr. Conklin. Hold the phone, Margaret. Uh, yes? I'm Matilda Denton at the school board. I have reason to suspect that my boy, Walter, a pupil at this institution, has fallen into the clutches of one of your female teachers. What? Yes. He told me that he had a date with the woman tonight at her home. Uh-huh. And here, this note fell out of his pocket when he came home from school. Let me read that, please. <clears throat> at last, I've got what I want. Red hair and a tough, sturdy body. Red hair. Good heavens! Well, Mr. Conklin, have you any idea who this nefarious woman might be? Yes, I have, Mrs. Denton. Pardon me. Hello, are you still there, Mrs. Davis? No. No, I haven't been to a Turkish bath. Now, listen. I have reconsidered. I shall be delighted to dine this evening with you and, uh, <laughs> Miss Brooks. Mr. Conklin, I'll give you just 24 hours to find out who my boy is traipsing around with. Listen, Mrs. Denton. Listen, Mrs. Davis. You'll get to the bottom of this matter quickly, or there'll be a new principal here at Madison Hall. Quiet, both of you. Don't you bark at me. I'm not barking. Please go home. Good. How did you like your dinner? Very interesting, Mrs. Davis. I've never tasted this kind of meat before. Just what is it? It's our usual Monday night supper. Seal burgers. <laughs> I'll take these dishes into the kitchen and see about the coffee. I make Bulgarian coffee, you know. It's strained through a grapefruit rind. <laughs> now then, Miss Brooks, let's get right to the point, huh? What would you think of a teacher who would allow a student to become infatuated with her and then lead him on? I think she was pretty terrible, Mr. Conklin. Who's the teacher? Well, we haven't any positive proof, but the boy's name is Walter Denton. Well, I think they both ought to be arrested. Walter Denton? Yes, Miss Brooks. You can deny that you were in the car with young Denton this morning. But he was just giving me a lift until my car is fixed. I never see the boy at any other time. Are you sure about that, Miss Brooks? Oh, I'm positive, Mr. Conklin. Must be my laundry. Your laundry at 8 p.m.? 
I deal with the owl laundry. They only come out at night. <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Conklin. I'll be back in a minute. All right, Miss Brooks. Hi, Miss Brooks. I keep you waiting? Yes, but not long enough. Look, Walter, would you come back some other time? Come on, let's get into the living room. No, Walter, no. I'm anxious to get that letter started. Not so loud, Walter. Mr. Conklin is in the dining room. Oh, the new principal? Yes, and if he finds you here tonight, we'll both be out. No, good. We'll have our coffee in the living room. Hi, Margaret. Quick, Walter, hide. Get behind those curtains behind the window. Yeah, but I'll explain later. Get in back of them. Who was it that rang, dear? Oh, it was just a wrong number, Mrs. Davis. On the doorbell? I mean, the wrong house number. You seem quite nervous, dear. Oh, I'm all right. Oh, come <clears throat> and get some coffee. It'll oh, calm you down. Thank you. The Bulgarians drink it flat on their back, you know. Uh, I'll be flat on my back any minute, and I wish I was in Bulgaria. Why, you're trembling like a leaf, Miss Brooks, and you're all flushed. Well, it is rather warm in here, don't you think? If it isn't too much trouble, Osgood, would you mind pulling back those curtains and opening the window? Oh, no, not the curtains. No trouble at all. I'd be only too happy to open the window. And I'll be only too happy to jump out of it. There we are. Well, where is he? What's become of him? What's become of who? Bobby Breen. (laughs) He used to send me. Come on over to the couch, Connie. You're still overwrought. Well, thank you. I... Lay right down here. Oh, no, thank you. I'll get you a pillow. You know, I keep pillows in the window seat just for emergencies. I always say you never know when you need them. Bye, hello, Walter. Here you are, Miss... (laughs) You speak yourself... Margaret, Margaret, what's the matter? Walter Denton, come out of my window seat. Aha! Just as I thought. Miss Brooks, where are you going? I thought I'd run down to the Belgian Congo for the weekend. (laughs) Sit down, Miss Brooks. Young man, what were you doing in that window seat? If you'll only give me a chance, Mr. Conklin, I can explain. Go ahead. What were you doing in there? Hiding. Walter, tell them just why you came here tonight. Well, I came here to see Miss Brooks. I thought we'd be alone. Oh, ho! Oh, no. Well, she was only going to help me write a letter to my girlfriend. I see. Now, let's hear you explain this, Miss Brooks. Here, read this page from Walter's diary. Mine? What is this? At last I've got what I want. Red hair and what a tough, sturdy body... Walter! I wish everybody would stop saying Walter. Look, this isn't even my writing. Here, look at the other side. See, that's my biology notes from yesterday. I asked Mr. Boynton to loan me a piece of paper. Mr. Boynton wrote that? Miss Brooks, don't you get it? Get what? Red hair. It's you he's writing about. Mr. Boynton? Me? Just what he wanted? Tough and sturdy body. (laughs) Well, I I am strong. (laughs) Surely you're not pleased, Miss Brooks. I'm I'm not? I mean, I'm not. (laughs) Oh, Mr... Mr. Boynton. I thought you said we were going to be alone, Miss Brooks. You too. What's happening around here? (laughs) Haven't you heard? I've been made queen for a day. (laughs) Boynton, I'd like to know whether you wrote this or not. Let me see it, sir. Yes, I wrote it. It was supposed to go into my diary. What's wrong with it anyway? She is strong, and I did work hard to get her. Oh, Mr. Boynton, please, not in front of everybody. It took 23 generations of crossbreeding to get a red-backed mouse like that. Red-backed mouse? Mouse? Amazing. (laughs) Miss Brooks, 
I'm afraid I've done you a grave injustice. You most certainly have, Mr. Conklin. You've placed your own meaning on unfortunate incidents. But I... You've accused me of misconduct with no proof whatsoever. And you've acted in general like a narrow, bigoted, unfair person. But, Miss Brooks... Mr. Conklin, I never want to see or talk to you again as long as I live. Not even about the job as head of the English department? Mr. Conklin, I've done you a grave injustice. <laughs> Let's sit down on the love seat and talk this thing over, yes. huh? Well, we'll take it up first thing in the morning, Miss Brooks. I've got to be getting home now. Come on, Walter. We'll take the bus together. Oh, we don't have to take the bus, Mr. Conklin. I've got my car outside. Your car? After our collision this morning? Oh, after I left you, I hit another car and everything snapped back into place. <laughs> Good night, all. Good night, Walter. Good night. Good night, Walter. Good night. Good night, Mr. Conklin. Good night, Mr. Conklin. Well, now there's just the three of us, Mr. Boynton. Mrs. Davis and you and I. Gee, it's a beautiful night. Look at that moonlight streaming through the windows. If one would take a hint, there'd just be two of us. Two of us and one sofa. I said, if one would take a hint, there'd just be two of us. Well, here we are, just the two of us. Good. How about a little gin rummy? <laughs> the deal. blitz Mrs. Davis three across, but I'd rather have lost to Mr. Boynton. He's certainly naive, my little biology boy, but though he's shy, he's glad of I, and I'm sure he'll soon realize that the greatest thing he'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced and directed by Larry Burns. Tonight's script was written by Al Lewis with music by Wilbur Hatch. Next week at the same time, Columbia will again present another adventure in the far from placid life of our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. Bob Stevenson speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll join me next week for more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.